Good morning. Wow, you guys are responsive. You're, man, I don't know. It's different, this service. Trust me. It's good to have you guys here. I like it. Uh, we're in the middle of this series called The Misuse of God. Uh, where the whole point of this series, just to acknowledge, there's times where people of faith, people in Christianity, use God in ways that I don't know that God was ever meant to be used. And sometimes people around us see that. Sometimes we see it. Sometimes it's difficult. And I think the opportunity here is really just to talk about it in a way of saying, you know, I think as a church, there's a more beautiful way to step into life, to step into to faith, into some of these moments. And maybe there's a personal challenge. Maybe there's a corporate challenge. I don't know what it might be for you, but I appreciate the fact that each of us, as we gather here today, are willing to wrestle through some of these moments. You know, about a year ago, I went to Iowa to attend the memorial service for my grandfather. He was Catholic. And so the service was a Catholic mass, right? And a a message from the priest. At one point in the service, the priest begins to talk about death and heaven and hell and what, you know, how people can turn to God in the face of death in these different moments. It's just part of the, the service. And one of my relatives who's sitting behind me in a pew somewhere lets out a very small sigh. You could tell they weren't trying to be dramatic. It just sort of escaped them, you know, where that sort of happens. Like, <sighs> and then I look back and there's this weird expression on their face, just really subtle. But it's the same expression that someone makes when they're thinking, ah, oh, here we go again. You know, that kind of moment. And I noticed it, didn't say anything. A little while later that evening, I'm sitting having a conversation with this particular relative. And so I look and I say, hey, what'd you think of the service? Because I'm being ornery. Uh, Hey, what'd you think of the service? And he looks back at me and he's polite. And he says, it was a really nice service. And it was really good to see friends and family. And I was like, yeah, I know, it was. I also heard you sigh in the middle of it. You made like a weird face. What was that? Because I'm that guy. And he laughed and he looked and he leaned in and he said, well, Ryan... I just think it's interesting that people don't seem to give two cents about God and then someone dies and everybody gets scared of death and suddenly everyone here believes in him. And I thought that was interesting. He said, it just seems kind of convenient, doesn't it? And then he looked at me and he said a phrase that he said multiple times during that conversation. And it was this, God is just a crutch people use to avoid dealing with their problems and fears. Have you ever heard that before? No, have you ever thought that before? felt that before. That's what he said. When I looked at him and I said, well, someone who's chosen to be a pastor, I might disagree with you on that. Like I might have a different take on this for at least for me in particular. And then he started to reference the amount of child abuse that's been uncovered in the Catholic church as an example of this. And he said, do you think it's a coincidence that a bunch of people who struggle with attraction to minors end up trying to find a profession where they can serve God and take a vow of celibacy where you never have to deal with any of that? I thought that that was an interesting point. He said, they just used God to hide from their problems and it caught up with them in the end. Now we're all paying for it. That's the phrase that he said. And I looked back at him and I said, well, I'm not a Catholic. You know, I'm Protestant. So I'm, a, I'm a different like, branch of Christianity, so to speak. And so I get that that's happening in the Catholic church. That doesn't mean that's true of all. Well, that's not how it is for all Christians, right? I left that trip. I got back home. It was just a couple of months later. I turned on the news. And what flashed up before me on the news was that the Southern Baptist Convention was being investigated with allegations against 380 different church leaders, right? Over sexual abuse and harassment of one form, one form or another, totaling roughly 700 victims in total over the course of a 20 year span. And then I was like, really? And it was, yes. And then I looked into that and in the independent Baptist, just a year before, there was a very similar investigation that was in the hundreds with all kinds of allegations and accusations and different things. And I found myself suddenly thinking back to that conversation. And you know what's interesting? 
Is it whether Catholic or Protestant? On all sides of the equation, a common theme would emerge of why people didn't deal with this overtly in the moments when the time came of why, why this continued on. It didn't happen when these, init- when these issues were initially presented to somebody. Time and time again, the thing that would be said was, you know, we tried to deal with this quietly or we tried to just kind of push this to the side because I didn't want to hurt the ministry of the church or because this person had a significant ministry and I didn't, God was doing great things or there was good things and I didn't want to hurt that particular person's ministry. I believe that sometimes people adopt the mentality that if I just keep focusing on God, these problems and fears and tensions that I hold will just go away. If I just keep pushing forward, if I just keep doing, you know, the noble thing or the right thing or trying to do what I think God would want me to do, whatever that is, whatever this stuff is, it will just go away. But we all now at this point as a culture and as a society keep learning that it doesn't quite work that way a lot of the time, does it? Like, it's just like more and more of that that keeps happening. Now, let me be honest with you. I still don't agree with my relative that people only believe in God as a crutch to avoid dealing with their problems or facing their problems and their fears. I don't, but he's also not completely wrong either, is he? Not the hard part. I've thought a lot on this. You know, years ago, I found myself sitting down with a woman and her father. Uh, They were estranged from one another. He had walked out at one point in time and not come back. And they hadn't had any kind of real relationship in a very, very long time. And this left her with a whole host of questions that it would leave anybody with. Like she was wanting to know why he left and why he didn't care and why he hadn't come back sooner and why he'd never called. And there was a moment or two where she tried to reach out and there was silence on the other end of that. And think of all those questions and there's hurt there and there's, there's tension, there's issues. And for a series of circumstances, these two individuals find themselves now getting ready to, to meet with one another. They're gonna sit down and they're gonna talk to one another. And this has not happened since she was very, very little. And I get to be there for this exchange, for this moment. So there we are, we're sitting and I'm just going like, wow, what's about to happen, you know? I wonder how they're gonna work through this. There's a lot for these two in particular to talk about. And the dad opens up his mouth and he says, I, can I start by just praying for you? I'd love to pray for you. That's how he begins this thing. And he starts praying and he prays for a very long time. And I know some of you guys are like, why would you put a limit on prayer? It was too long. <laughs> it was, if you've ever been sitting there in a moment where you're like that, you, that, you need to land that plane like a long time ago, right? Like that, that happens. Some of you guys are like, oh, I'm using that at lunch today. It's happening. <laughs> don't, don't, it's not a safe place. Don't. But he, he was, he's praying too long and, and he kept praying about different things that he was doing in his church and different cares he had and passions and all this stuff and just praying and praying and talking and all this stuff, talking about God. And then that conversation ended. I'm like, okay, now, or that prayer ended, amen. And now we're gonna talk, okay, cool. And then he started to talk about his church and things he was doing and his passion for God and all this other stuff. And most of the time, the entire conversation centered around just like church and what he was doing and faith and God and religion and all of this stuff. And it felt so weird felt really weird to be there. It just did. I kept thinking there's so much on the table right now that no one's talking about that needs to get talked about because it's important for these two. And it just didn't happen. After the conversation was over, I went and I talked with the daughter and I looked at her and I said, how was that conversation for you? And she said, oh, he just kept talking about God and talking about church and talking about religion. And I think it's because he wants me to see that he's just, he's like a good person. He's not a bad person for what all the history and past and moments and things that we have. It's like he was trying to prove that to me over and over and over again. But you know what? 
He said, the most frustrating thing was about it is he kept trying to talk about God in a way to avoid talking about anything else that we really needed to be talking about in that moment. And she said, that was really hard. She looked at me and said, I think he's just scared and it felt like he was hiding. I thought that was really insightful assessment actually. Friends, there's a lot of good and genuine belief in the world in God right now. There is, there's a lot of good and genuine belief in this world in God that exists. There's also a lot of good and genuine belief in this place, in this room. And for anybody joining us online or anywhere you might find yourself, there's a lot of good and genuine belief in God right here and right now. But the truth still remains that sometimes we can misuse God to hide from our problems or to avoid dealing with our fears, our struggles, or our insecurities or the things that are theirs to deal with. Because as long as I keep talking about God, I don't have to talk about that. Because as long as I serve God and I just keep looking, looking forward and serving God, I, I don't have to deal with that, whatever that might be. As long as I read my Bible, as long as I pray, as long as I go to church, as long as I do the things that I think God you know, would want me to do and that seem like they're, they're the things of God, as long as I do those things and just keep on keeping on, maybe all this stuff will just go away. Like maybe I'll outrun it. Maybe I'll just keep pressing on and eventually it'll just fade into oblivion. It'll be gone. I won't have to deal with it. See, sometimes we misuse God to hide from our fears and problems because, and I think if we're honest, maybe you've said this. I know I have. Sometimes it seems like it would just be so much easier if like all that just you know, went away. Because it would. I'd like that. But when we misuse God that way, sometimes it results in frustration for ourselves, for others. If you've ever been in a relationship with somebody where that's happening, you know that can actually be frustrating. There's a part of you that almost kind of wants to push past that and have a real conversation and you can't get to it. Or maybe you've been hurt by somebody and you're looking at that and you're like, so frustrated because... We keep talking about God and all this other stuff, but everyone's ignoring the hurt. Everyone's ignoring the pain and the things that get caused in all of this. Or you're frustrated because somebody's simply just trying to avoid dealing with something that makes them uncomfortable. And you can't ever get to the thing, right? Sometimes it results in frustration. Other times it results in limiting our relationships. Everything gets a little fake or a little plastic. Sometimes it makes us as individuals, when we hide, feel repressed or anxious or angry or resentful. And sometimes, as we've talked about earlier, it flat out causes harm to ourselves and others because those problems that we're hiding from tend to bleed out into the lives of not just us, but of other people around us. This is a real thing. And so I wanted to talk about that today because I believe twofold. I believe that some of us have been impacted by that. And I believe that most of us have a tendency at some point in time to hide. It's very normal. It's very part of being a human being. And as I thought about this, I was like, you know, we can give a message. I could give a message where all I'm doing is like pointing fingers and being like, like that headline and that moment and that thing. And we can all just get self-righteous and be like, yeah, those people and that thing. But I don't know that that's actually going to help much. I just, I think that the path forward is really for each person in the church, for each Christian themselves to just take a very honest and candid look at themselves and to deal with this on a personal basis, because, you know, we as the church are a collection of people that as we step into these moments, you know what ends up happening? The church lives it out because it's who we are, is it not? And so that's so much of what I want to do today. You know, it makes sense that we as people have a tendency to hide from our fears and problems. If you're looking going like, well, that's a bad thing or it's a weird thing or it's not okay. It's actually kind of a normal thing. In the very beginning of the Bible, the very first two people that we read about are Adam and Eve. They're placed in the garden, Genesis chapters one through three, first three chapters right there. 
God plants, puts him in the garden and essentially says, hey, there's a bunch of things you can do. There's like one thing you can't do. Don't eat at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they go and they eat at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And suddenly there's this discrepancy. Suddenly sin enters into the world. There's this like moment that happens and they don't know what to do with it. And it says they, they look at themselves, they feel naked and ashamed and they hide in the bushes. It's their response, guys. From the very beginning, there's nobody to condition them beforehand. This is just what they did. Genesis chapter three, beginning of verse nine, it says, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? It's a very relational question. Verse 10, the man says, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. And so I hid myself. Friends, as human beings, sometimes we hide from our mistakes and fears. And the honest truth is, is that as human beings, it's been kind of a tendency from the very beginning, is it not? It's just a part of it. If you're like, does that make me weird? No, it probably makes you more normal than you think. <laughs> think of the story of Jonah in the Bible. It seems like everybody knows that Jonah was swallowed by like a big fish or a whale or whatever the large creature in the ocean was, right? That thing. But nobody ever pays attention to why he was swallowed. Like we, we don't really realize that piece. You know, God tells Jonah, I want you to go to a place called Nineveh. These are people that, that weren't followers of God and things were a little crazy. And he says, I want you to go there as a prophet. And I want you to course correct that city. And God knows that the city is gonna respond in a very positive way to this and that it's gonna change and yield a good thing. He knows that. And he sends Jonah to it. He says, Jonah, I want you to go be, be my messenger. Go minister to these people. Go do this thing. Jonah doesn't like the Ninevites. Doesn't tell us Why? just tells us he does not like them. They make him feel uncomfortable. He does not like being there. He doesn't even want to be around them. And so what does Jonah do? He gets on a boat rather than face that problem. And he gets on a boat heading in the opposite direction and he hides below deck, right? And he hangs out there, Jonah chapter one, verse three. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. That's the opposite direction from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare, went down into it to go with them away from the presence of the Lord. Jonah hides in a boat rather than face what's in front of him. You see, sometimes our fear even leads us to hide from other people or situations or things that just make us feel uncomfortable. We don't know what to do with them. Those are just a few examples. But the reality is, is that the Old Testament's filled with examples of people who know what it is to hide, who live out this pattern that when something difficult happens and arises, when there's a trouble, when there's an insecurity, when there's a fear, there's all kinds of situations where people hide. It's very normal. But you know what's interesting is that when you get to the New Testament, it's not just that people hide from those things for the first time. And maybe it's not the first time we see this, but it just becomes poignant in the New Testament. We actually start to see people begin to use God to hide from their problems, to use God to hide from what scares them, to use God to hide from the things that are theirs to face. There was a group of people during the time of Jesus called the Pharisees. They were the most dedicated religious followers that existed in that time. And to this day, really, honestly, if you, it's like one of the most complete systems of religion with like law after law and thing after thing. And to do it, like man was that rigor. Man, was that tenuous and you just had to be committed to do these things. When people looked at a Pharisee, they would have looked at me like, that is someone that, someone that takes God real serious. Like that is someone that is trying to live this and walk this out. They read the scriptures and they memorized much of the Old Testament. If you're holding a Bible in your hand, feel how thick that is. They memorized much of the Old Testament. They prayed several times daily. They followed Old Testament laws about cleanliness of the letter. They followed ritual laws and different things based out of Leviticus. They did not associate with people who were seen as bad people or people who were thought to be sinners, right? Or people that others would look at and be like, I don't think they're as good or I don't think they're as unclean, right? 
when the Pharisees were the people who were the most concerned about who was in and who was out, who was righteous, who wasn't righteous, who was clean, who wasn't. Like this is a group of people, they're loyal, they're committed, but these are also the same people that use a disabled man as a pawn to trip Jesus and trap him because they feel threatened by him. These are also the people that didn't like that Jesus ate with people that they disapproved of. They didn't like that Jesus seemed to love people that they didn't think anyone should be loving. And they were frustrated by this. These were the people who drew lines and Jesus stands in the temple. This is the very place that you speak about God. When people, when you speak about God in the temple, people are listening. It means something significant. I mean, it always does, but this is a big deal. Jesus stands in the temple in Matthew chapter 23 and he says a whole bunch of things about the Pharisees. Let me read one of those things to you. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are all like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. This is Jesus saying, Pharisees, you guys are using God to hide from the problems that are yours to face. And no matter how hard you use God in this particular regard, these things are still with you. There's still death and decay and hurt and pain and struggle and frustration. Those things are still with you. They're here. And Jesus is highlighting. He calls them a whitewashed tomb, beautiful on the outside, but death and decay on the inside. Because when you use God to hide from your fears and problems, from your failures and struggles, they don't go away. Anybody who's lived long enough knows this. When you use God to hide from your fears and problems, they don't go away. They just begin to haunt you. It's the truth. When I was five years old, I went to the house of a next door neighbor to play with a friend. And while I was in the house, an adult in the house sexually abused the both of us. And this became a very defining event in my life. I've shared this with many of you before. For some of you, it's probably the first time you heard that. And in that moment, if you've ever experienced a traumatic event of some kind, you don't know how to make sense of it. It doesn't, you can't file it away. It doesn't fit in your reasoning. Like there's no way to explain how did this happen or why did this happen? So you draw all sorts of strange conclusions that seem very reasonable to you. One of those conclusions that I drew in that particular moment was this must be my fault. I must have caused this somehow because this kind of thing doesn't happen to normal people. I also thought this is a bad thing that happened to me. That must make me a bad person. And so I'm now damaged goods or something like this is, I didn't know what to do. And I also didn't think I should tell anybody about this because what if people see me that way and they see me as a bad person and suddenly everybody starts to back up and what if I'm alone? And I don't know, I had a whole bunch of thoughts on all of this. And so I made a very conscious choice when I was very young to keep a secret to myself for a very, very long time. And what I chose to do was to hide essentially. I lived a lot of my life believing that, that something was wrong with me and I needed to just keep moving and hide from this, that something was bad and I just needed to keep plowing forward or this thing would catch up to me, that there's whatever this thing was and I just couldn't let anybody know about it because what would they think and what if they judged me and what if a whole host of, of things and you know what, that caused a lot of chaos around me. There are some people who in those moments just get really quiet and subdued and withdrawn. I'm the opposite. You guys probably aren't surprised by that. I got really loud and chaotic and distracting and a whole bunch of other things. And I caused a lot of chaos. I became the kid and eventually the adolescent in school. There was always a constant distraction. I spent a lot of my time making fun of everybody else. Essentially, if I can keep everybody focused on every other person, I don't have to deal with any eyes on me. You know what I mean? 
as a way of working through this. And I know in that area of my life, I hurt a lot of people. I did just by being unkind or being a jerk or causing chaos. And it's because the truth is when you hide your problems inside you, when you hide your fears away, when you try to bury that stuff down and hide away from it, and you don't give it a healthy expression, it finds an unhealthy way to live out, doesn't it? We know that. I've learned this over time in my life, right? It starts to make its way forward. And that's exactly what began to happen around me. It's just chaos kind of lived outside of me. When I was 17 years old, I went on a Mexico missions trip, just like what you heard Stacy talk about here in this church. I went with Casas on a Mexico trip. And I remember there was a guest speaker on this particular year and he would talk to us at the end of the night and when we were all like at a camp and, and I remember he was talking about like taking God seriously and really committing to following Jesus and just living that out and like, you know, giving God your whole life kind of a deal. And this captured my heart at that particular moment. And I said, I need to clean up my act. I need to do something like, I need to stop creating chaos and I need to start just doing better. I need to be good. I need to make my way forward. I'm gonna take God seriously. So I got home. I decided, stop ta- I'm going to stop causing chaos. I'm going to start reading my Bible every day, which I did. I'm going to start going to church. I became a student leader here in the church and the youth group on my senior year in that year. I, I switched schools so that I could go to a Christian school so that I could have good and positive environment that's going to lead me forward, encourage the things that I care about and want and the life change that I'm trying to make. And I led a men's accountability group and prayer groups. And if any one of my peers in that particular season of time were not trying as hard as I was or doing something that I felt like God disapproved of, I voluntarily, without them asking me to, made sure to let them know, do better, try harder, give it to Jesus. Who's coming with me? You know, that kind of a thing. I did. And I lived this thing out. And I was never more miserable than I was at the end of that year. And it's because I'd stopped causing chaos and I'd stopped doing so much of that other stuff to some degree. But now when people looked at me, they thought I was doing great. And now I just felt alone and isolated. And all of those pieces began to fester because it became harder to be honest than it ever had been. Isn't it weird that when you go to a church, sometimes the very thing that you think would be the easiest becomes harder because everyone's staring at you, needing you to toe the line. Or at least we convince ourselves that that's true. And so I was misusing God. I'm just gonna keep looking at God and keep doing these things and all of this will just go away. And it didn't go away. I was now haunted by the hurt and the fear and the struggles that still lived inside of me. Now I share this with all of you. I know that your stories are probably different than mine. Maybe it's similar, maybe it's not. I don't know. But the reason that I share this with you is because I know that most of us, whether it's in the very smallest of ways or in the largest of ways, know what it is to hide. We just know that in the moments that we feel like there's a struggle and we're like, I don't want to deal with that. In the moments we feel like there's a peace that just feels overwhelming, we know what it is to hide. Some of you know what it is to have that fear inside of you that your past will catch up with you if you're ever honest about it. And so you've been running for a long, long time. Some of you know what it is to have a fear inside of you that just you're telling yourself, if I face it, if I face whatever that thing is, Whatever this issue, this tension, this problem, this insecurity, I don't know what it is for you, but whatever that thing is, if I face it, I'm going to end up alone. I'm going to lose who I have. People are going to back away from me and I'm not going to know what to do with it. Some of you have a genuine belief that if the people around you saw where you really are right now, they wouldn't be sitting in the seats next to you. And so you hide. And you shove those things away and you don't always know what to do with it. You know, some of us hide from ourselves. Some of us hide from other 
people. We hide from what makes us uncomfortable. Some of us just in a very simplistic way, just hide from what we don't want, what we don't want to understand or don't think we are capable of. We're just out of sight, out of mind. And we hide from those things. Friends, I don't know what it is to be you, if I'm very candid with you, but I know that we're all human beings. And I know that from the very beginning, one of the human tendencies that we see is that in the face of difficulty, it's, it's pretty easy to turn to hide. And maybe that's you right now. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're walking through, but maybe that's you right now. But can I stand before you here today and regardless of what you ought to do or could do, can I just tell you this? God is not meant to be the thing that you use to hide from the problems and difficulties before you. Can I just say that so incredibly clear? And some of you might be going, well, what about when it says in the Bible that, that we hide beneath the shadow of his wings? Like, what about when it says that, that he is our sanctuary and he is our refuge? Well, that's all very true, you guys. But those are the moments for when you're, when you're facing these things. Those are the moments when life gets really hard and you feel run down and overwhelmed and you don't know what to do and you need a place to turn to, to pour some peace into your life, to catch your breath, to get some refuge. This God is that in your ever-present time of need. He is absolutely that. He's not the thing you use to avoid dealing with what is yours to deal with, what is mine to deal with. He's not the place we go to to hide from our fears and our problems. And this is so important for us to talk about as a church. It is. This is so important for us to talk about it as a church because here's why. When churches create environments where God is used to help us hide from our fears, where that's primarily what we do, we're gonna create an environment here where we hide from all of it. We're gonna just lock it all out. We're gonna build the walls up. What happens is the world outside the church becomes bigger and scarier than the God inside of it. The world becomes very, very big and our God becomes very, very small and we start to trust our walls more than we trust Christ who is within us. So we got to talk about it. This is important as a church. No friends, instead, there's a better way. There is a truth that flows throughout all of scripture. And it is this, God wants to be the one who walks with you through those fears and problems. Who goes ahead of you and charts a path in the places that you have yet to walk and who empowers your footsteps in the moments that you feel powerless. It is precisely because of God that we can step into some of those things, that we can wrestle with some of those things because you are grounded in a God who loves you, who holds you, who knows you and who isn't going anywhere. And so you get to have a kind of gumption that the world doesn't have to have. And yet so often it looks like we're hiding and we don't have to. The truth is affirmed again and again. And again, and again, in one form or another throughout the entire Old and New Testament, you guys. We were talking about this as a preaching team this week that I was gonna be teaching this message. And Glenn said, why don't you teach on the life of Peter? There's so many moments there from him having fear about getting out of the boat and walking on water and Jesus kind of pulling him up out of that or, or him being told that he's gonna deny Christ three times and him saying, no way. And then he does and, and Christ pulling him through that moment and walking like, man, there's such good stuff there. And there is, but I told him no. Seth said, why don't you teach on Psalm 23? Because that's this beautiful passage about walking through the valley shadow of death. And why don't you just walk us through it? That'd be so good. And it is, but I said, no. And here's why. Because I think that if I taught on any one of those moments, we'd all find ourselves being like, well, that's Peter though. Well, that's like this one passage in Psalms though. I want you to know, the thing I want you to see today, from the beginning of the scriptures to the end of scriptures, this message is overt again and again and consistent. It is hard to hide from the language of this particular thing. It is over and over again. Second Timothy 
Chapter one, verse seven, Paul writes to a young leader named Timothy who's facing a whole host of problems in the church. And he says, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Hebrews 13, verse six says, so we can confidently say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? In the Old Testament, when the nation of Israel stands outside the promised land that they have been journeying towards and they look and they're like, those people are big and scary and this whole thing seems complicated and we are few and I don't know what to do here. This is what God tells them. Be strong and courageous. Deuteronomy 31.6. Do not fear or be in dread of them for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you nor will he forsake you. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. What if, what if I've succumbed to temptation? What if this is like a moral thing and I don't know what to do? 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide a way out that you may be able to hide from it. No, endure it to walk through it. Psalm 23, four, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, like a shepherd who leads his sheep, they comfort me. I could sit up here and just keep going all morning. This is so consistent again and again and again and again. It is so overt, you guys. There are tons of passages throughout your Bible contained within the story of the scriptures is a consistent call not to use God to avoid dealing with what's in front of you, but that precisely because God is with you, you can step into it. You can turn to face what you could not ordinarily open your eyes to look at it. There's a different kind of energy and a different kind of gumption that God wants to be with you as you rise to face them. And I wanna to point to three truths in scripture or three truths that the scripture reminds us of again and again is perhaps you're sitting in here going, I know what it is to hide and it's scary. That's why I'm hiding. And I've been hiding for a while or I'm so nervous about whatever it might mean to just step into a moment or to own something or to, walk into my own doubts or my uncertainties or my past or my failure. I don't know what it is, whatever those moments are for you. And I just wanted to offer you two truths to help light your way. And here's the first. It's gonna sound really simple, but if you know what it is to hide, you know that this is not simple. With God, you can face your fear. Again, I know that sounds really simple, but is that, is that simply lived? <laughs> With God, you can face your fear. For many of us, one of the hardest things to do in this life is simply to acknowledge that we're struggling, to acknowledge that we're scared, to acknowledge that we're carrying something, right? Or that there's some things that we're wrestling with. It's probably for a whole host of reasons. I think for a lot of us, you get to this moment where you feel like, but if I acknowledge it, then it means I actually have a problem that I have to deal with. And it's so much easier just not to have a problem. <laughs> but you know the truth of that already. The temptation then begins, I should just bury it. I should just hide from it so I don't have to worry about it. But that just makes a bigger mess, doesn't it? Years ago, I went on a vacation with my family to Puerto Penasco, Mexico, affectionately known as Rocky Point by many people. And we rented a house on the beach. Whole bunch of my family members, people came in from out of town. This is amazing. There's this porch and it looked out over the ocean and there's sand in front of us. And it was just idyllic. It was amazing. I'd sit out there in the mornings and just smell the salt air and look at the beach. I know some of you guys, it's raining today. You're like, I want that in my life now. I know it was amazing. And I, I enjoyed time with family and hanging out and all these things until a dead baby dolphin watched up on the shore. I know that's a hard right turn. You weren't expecting it. Things like this big, it's still big, but it's like a dead baby dolphin. At first it was very sad. 
which is because it is. It's sad when a dead baby dolphin washes up on the shore. And then it was kind of interesting because I never get to see a dolphin that close. And so there's a part of me that suddenly, I'm not a marine biologist, but I get to go look at this thing and explore it. And it was really kind of cool for like an hour. And then it was not cool because it was hot and it was rotting and it smelt bad and it's sitting in front of the house that we've rented. And all of a sudden that idyllic view with the ocean breeze and the wonderful smell becomes like an open casket funeral with a rotting baby dolphin. That's just, every time the wind shifts, it's just blowing your way and you'd be sitting there having a great conversation. Next thing you know, you'd be like, that kind of moment, right? And so I think I got to deal with this. Like we've got to figure something out. We can't let this ruin our week. This isn't the end. This is the beginning of the trip. So I go out there and I just shove it out into the water. I'm like, off into the ocean you go. But this is one of those days. This is one of those times where like the ocean is flat like a lake and there's no waves. It happens a few times a month. And this is just, it's so the, the baby dolphin's now just sitting there in the water, just blah, 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 back and forth. And we're just sitting on, it's still, it's like right there and it smells bad and it's dumb. It is the whole thing. We're just like, this is so dumb that we're walking through. Like, what are we going to do with this baby dolphin? And I think I should just drag it down the beach, but that's weird to make my problem somebody else's problem, right? Now they have to solve it. That's not kind. And so I go and I get a shovel. I'm like, I'm going to bury it. And I dig a hole in the sand and I push the baby dolphin, drag it and push it into it and then bury it back over. Mission accomplished. You can't see it anymore. It doesn't smell anymore. We're sitting back on the porch. Life is good. Vacation is happening. We go to dinner that night. We come back and someone says, let's go night kayaking. And I'm like, yeah. And we go walking out on the beach to go night kayaking. And all of a sudden my foot drops in the sand up to about my shin or my knee. And a loud pop sound is heard as air comes blasting up my leg, along with a lot of liquid and other things in case you're curious. And I suddenly plant my foot in the cavity of a rotting bloated baby dolphin. Who can say that, right? Like who gets this, like who does this happen to? And it blasts up my leg and the smell is so strong that I just start dry heaving and gagging. All, like it's, it's, I'm gonna not talk about it too much more. You guys are, some of you are gonna lose it. I can see some of you holding your face, sorry. It was awful, you guys. I didn't go night kayaking. I spent the rest of the time trying to get it off me. Like the smell, the things and figure out what to do with it. And I know you're sitting here going, why are you sharing this story? Well, it's because that story is kind of like a metaphor for life in some ways. You can bury your problems and fears away, but they just become a bigger mess that you end up stepping into again because when you try to hide from your own problems, they go wherever you go. They go with you. And inevitably in the weirdest of moments that you weren't looking for, you end up stepping into those things all over again, except this time they've festered and they've sat and it's a little bit harder, isn't it? Isaiah 41 verse 13 says this. And I love this passage. It says, for I am the Lord, your God, who takes a hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. You know, I love this passage. So often we think of God as like this big being who's like, I'm with you. And you're like, I'm just supposed to have faith, but he's up there, he's out there. And I just need to demonstrate that I have the kind of faith to trust him. And what I love about this passage is rarely when we go to step into those difficult moments in our life, do we think about the fact that God the Father is right there in the midst of it, as close as you could possibly get holding our hand. And he doesn't say, I'm going to fix this for you. He doesn't say, I'm going to solve all of this. I'm going to make everything go away. He just says, what? Be with you. Which is so incredibly powerful. There is a God who, I don't know what you're hiding from, but there is a God who loves you. 
who wants to walk with you, who wants to stand there, not observing you to see if you get it right, but holding your hand saying, we can do this together. And that is a different position to stand in in your life, no matter what it is that you're facing. When I was 18 years old, I remember reading a passage from the Bible that I had memorized at one point as a kid and it stuck with me in this moment. Psalm 56 says, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God whose word I trust, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid for what can flesh do to me. The thing I'd memorize is what can mortal man do to me? And I remember reading that and thinking, well, mortal man can do a lot to me, actually. I know that, I've experienced this in my life, but the passage sunk in in that particular moment as I realized God is with me. I don't have to be as afraid as I was before because God is with me. And I thought, what would happen if I trusted God? And this marinated and resonated with me for about a week. And about a week later, I prayed to God and just said, I'm trusting you for this, be with me. And then I went and I met with the woman who is now my wife. We were dating at the time. And for the first time ever, I talked to her about what had happened to me when I was a kid. My hands were shaking and I was so scared if I'm really candid with you. And I had these thoughts where I'm like, she's gonna know. And I'm, I actually like this woman. <laughs> and now she's gonna see I'm like damaged goods and she's gonna back away. Or, I love this person. Like, man, I'm, I'm really smitten with her, but she's gonna see who I am or she's gonna see what I've got in my baggage or what I'm carrying with me and it's all gonna be over. <laughs> all those fears, all those things that circle around inside of our heads. And instead I wasn't met with any of those things. Instead I was met with, I am so sorry. And she reached out and she hugged me and we cried together. And it was one of the most powerful experiences to this day in my life. And I think it's because where I for just years had locked away and carried so much shame and so much hurt and so much fear. For the first time, shame was met with a perfect kind of love that like washed over it. And I didn't have to hold it the same way anymore. For the first time, all that condemnation that I'd been carrying was met with a kind of grace and favor and I got to experience this. And some, there was something about the way she engaged me that just made me think of how God is engaging me and made me so thankful for who he is. And as she loved me in that moment, there's a piece where I felt a kind of acceptance that it's like I'd been hearing about this for my life, but it's actually true. Do you guys know it? It's actually true. And it resonated in the deepest parts of who I am. And it just became transforming, friends. I, I just want you to know if you're hiding, I don't know what you hide from. I don't know what that's like. I don't know how big or how small. I just want you to know that no matter what, no matter what step you choose to take or not to take, I just need you to know right here and right now, there's grace for you too. There's love for you too and that you are not alone. Not only are you not alone, God is with you in the midst of that moment, holding your hand, wanting to walk forward with you. Brings me to the second piece here. And I've been saying it again and again, and it's this, with God, you're not alone. So it's not just that you can face your fears. It's not just that you can acknowledge something that's hard to acknowledge, but you actually get to move forward with him. Hebrews 5 tells us something really important. It tells us that God will never leave us nor forsake us. The reason this is so important is you read that back in Deuteronomy 31, that's what it's quoting. And sometimes when we read the Bible, you're like, well, yeah, that was God with Israel. Like he was doing a thing then, but this is me. When he reads this in Hebrew, or when this says, when the author writes this in Hebrews, this is written to the church. This is saying that same thing that was true for them, man, is that true for you? He will never leave you nor forsake you. And I have to believe that for some of us in this room, the reason that we bury some of our struggles, the reason that we hide from some of our fears and things is because we're actually worried that you're gonna be alone on the other side of it. 
or that God's gonna vacate the premises. But the difficult thing about hiding from our struggles and fears is that we end up feeling alone anyway, don't we? When you hide from something like that, it lives in you. And you know the weirdest part about it? You can feel alone in a room full of people because you can't be you. Because you're buried. Because you're hiding. And I just want you to know that God is with you. When you read that first part of Hebrews, that first piece, God will never leave you. That's important. That's saying God is gonna be with you. It tells you some things. It tells you he isn't going anywhere. He isn't distracted or too busy to be with you. He isn't preoccupied and needing to suddenly be somewhere else. He hasn't somehow gotten more involved with somebody who matters a little more, is in a more difficult situation, no longer has time for you. He isn't gonna promise to be here in one moment and leave you standing high and dry, alone and abandoned in the next. Whatever your pattern was for people in your life growing up, God is there and consistent and with, and he promises you that. He is with you. He is there. He's in it. He's close, but I love that he says that second piece. I will never forsake you. Because a lot of us are like, yeah, God is with me. The second piece is huge, but he will never forsake you. Here's what that means. God doesn't feel the need to hide from what you feel the need to hide from. Which means God doesn't feel the need to hide himself from you. He's not suddenly about to abandon you. It doesn't scare him. It doesn't overwhelm him. It won't leave him looking at you as an outcast or less than. I want you to know God is holding on to you with both hands and a whole heart, friends. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Trust him for it. Put your faith in it. Walk forward in the confidence knowing that you are not alone and that tomorrow you won't be alone either. And the day after that, you won't be alone either because the God of the universe will walk out this difficulty with you. You know, I'd love to tell you that after I talked to my wife that day, that my fears and struggles as a person who walked through trauma just suddenly magically disappeared. I talked to her and I was like, great. I'd love to tell you that, I'd be lying. It's not true. I wish it was, they didn't. Instead, that began a moment for me of stepping into the next moment and trying to begin a journey of honesty and trying to begin a journey where I faced that which I formerly was hiding from, seeking to face my fears and struggles one day at a time. And to be very candid with you, I still face this. There's still pieces that I wrestle with. This isn't a thing where I'm suddenly like, and I figured it all out. So come talk to me. I'll give you the secrets. It's hard, isn't it? To show up to your life. It's hard, isn't it? To face the things in front of you. And yet this began this really powerful journey for me because it was a completely different experience to make my way forward knowing that I wasn't alone when I felt like I'd lived 18 years in hiding. It was a completely different experience to know that God is with me and wants to lead me forward. There were all kinds of moments to step into that I didn't know what to do. There are still moments where I'm just like, God, I don't know what to do with this. Sometimes I even get frustrated. I'm like, why am I still dealing with this? Thought I'd be done by now. (laughs) And it's not. And yet it's good. And there's a path in this that I feel proud to stand in and that I'm excited about. You know, for you guys, maybe you're finding yourselves in a place where you're going, I've wanted to step forward in a moment. I've wanted to talk to somebody. I wanna make a challenge to you. There's a couple challenges in this that I I wanna make. One, start by acknowledging this to yourself. Some of you hide from yourselves. It's okay to own your stuff. It's okay for you just to look and go, I think this is true for me. And I'm just gonna allow that to be true for right now. It doesn't have to mean something terrible or good or bad or whatever. It just gets to be that. But can I also challenge you? Can you pray about that to God as well? Because some of you haven't talked to God about any of these things. And that's a big step. It's hard. He loves you already. The craziest thing, and we all know this, he knows it already. He's still there. 
He's still loving you. Open your heart, open your eyes, open your life to him in this particular moment and trust it to him. But can I also challenge you guys with this? For some of you, you have yet to have that moment where you've talked to somebody else in your life that loves you and cares about you, that wraps their arms around you in one way or another, that says, I see you even now and even still, and I love you, I'm for you. And can I just challenge you? I want you to think of who that person is in your life. If there's somebody in your life that you know, they are for me. They love me unconditionally. They're not trying to make you into something that they're not. They're just loving you right where you are. They're that person in your life. And you've been hiding. They sound like they might be a really good person to talk to at some point in time and just tell them, I need a friend and I need someone just to listen. Will you do that for me? If you don't have that, because I also recognize not everybody has that moment, Pursue building that with somebody, but in the meantime, talk to a person like a pastor or a therapist, counselor. I don't know whoever that person might be for you so that you can take a step with someone who meets you in the midst of that particular moment. I think it's important, friends. It is a beautiful thing to step out of hiding and into the light and try to find your way forward in this knowing that someone loves you and that you're with you because God already does. He's there. I just wanted to put that in front of you. He's led me down a path of healing and of grace, where I continue to heal and I believe in grace. Do you know that? Grace is real. I mean, like, do you know that though? God actually favors you and that there's grace for your life and that it opens you up and empowers you. I become so passionate about this because of my own life. So I'm just gonna tell you what my hidden agenda always is, is I want you to experience the fullness of the grace of God. I want you to know it, not just in your head, like a Bible verse you can recite. I want you to know it in your being because it's true and it's there for you. It's a good and beautiful thing that's there for you. And you know what else happened along the way is I've started to realize I'm actually unconditionally loved. Like, not like I can sing a song and I just, I'm like, yeah, that's a great, life. no, I like feel it in my soul. There is a God in this world who loves me, who loves you. And so consequently, I become really passionate. I want you to know, I'm just gonna tell you flat out, I want you to know how much God loves you because it's a beautiful gift. Not so that you can make me happy. I don't care about that. It's a good and beautiful gift for your life. And it's there. It's right there for you right now. He always has in the midst of whatever it is you're walking through, in the midst of how, how deep you've buried something or how on the surface it all is, wherever you find yourself, whether you're going through something big or not going through anything at all, he absolutely 100% loves you and you can't mess it up. He loves you, you guys. It's so beautiful. And so it's become one of my deepest passions that we would know this in the depths of our very soul. And he's taught me that in the moments that I'm most tempted to run and to hide again, that those are precisely the moments that I most need to stand in him, to trust his love and his grace and his power and keep walking forward, knowing that he holds me by the hand and walks with me. And if I'm honest, the same is true for you. You know, for all of us as a church, it would be easy for me to go, so get out there and argue with people that God isn't a crutch, but I just don't think you should do that. I don't. You know what I think we should do to be really candid with you? I think we should live honest lives. I do. I think with great sincerity and honesty and courage and faith, the opportunity is simply to live as best as we can. We're gonna mess it up sometimes and that is okay but with genuine faith and trust in a God, not that we hide from things with, but who walks with us through those fears and problems, who paves a path when we don't know the way and who empowers our steps when we felt powerless to walk them. Friends, because of God, you don't have to hide from your problems. You get to let him love you right 
through them. Let's pray. God, I just lift up this room of people. Lord, I know that there are people in this room that are struggling because they've been hiding for a while, sometimes from themselves, sometimes from you, sometimes from others. And Lord, I just pray that they would know how loved they are right now. I pray that they would know that there's grace upon grace upon grace. 